Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. Welcome to The Meeting Room. My name is Brianna Boosman, and I'm glad to have you joining me this week. This past week in the United States, over 636,000 cattle, 2.4 million hogs, 31,000 sheep, 9,700 goats, and 1,000 bison were harvested in federally inspected meat processing plants. In meat industry news, Tyson announced that they will be building a $300 million chicken plant in Virginia. The plant will focus on their fully cooked products, such as the Anytizers and chicken nuggets. The plant is expected to employ nearly 400 people and is set to open in the spring of 2023. Because of this expected growth, Tyson has committed to buy 60 million pounds of chicken from Virginian producers over the next three years. The CEO of WH Group, the parent company of Smithfield Foods, has stepped down from his position. The Hong Kong Stock Exchange requires that the CEO and chairman positions must be held by separate people. Wan Long, the 81-year-old CEO, will remain on as the company's chairman. Long owns one-fifth of the WH Group and has a net worth of approximately $1.7 billion. And finally, Lyft users may be in for a bit of a surprise. The Kraft Heinz Company announced that the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile will be on call in select cities this week. Riders that order a Lyft XL may instead be picked up by the 27-foot-long hot dog and treated to a trip with music, lights, free shirts, hot dog masks, and weenie whistles before being dropped off at their destination. Just imagine you're getting ready to go out for supper with friends and you call a Lyft and the Wienermobile shows up. Be quite the experience, I am sure. When we think of livestock, we often think of the meat that they provide. On the flip side of that, one of the arguments that goes against livestock production is that we are producing these animals just for meat and that we could be getting our nutrients from other products, that the only purpose that we give for the life of this animal is for that meat, and is that something that is justified? And oftentimes, one of the main portions of the livestock and meat industry that is overlooked are the byproducts. And a byproduct is a secondary product that is made from a production process. A very well-known byproduct or something that we see often in the egg industry is where corn is used to produce ethanol. So when ethanol is produced, a distiller's grain is left over as a byproduct. And these distiller's grains can then be sold to farmers and be fed to livestock and are actually a very, very valuable product. So oftentimes the ethanol industry, it's known for the ethanol it produces, but the byproduct of distiller's grains is extremely valuable as well. Other byproducts in the industry that are used to be fed to livestock include fruit pumice. And so this is a byproduct from making fruit juices. And when I first moved to Idaho for grad school, I remember going back to the feedlot and seeing grape pumice and apple pumice in the commodity bay that came from making juice and wine. And this was something that was new for me to see. 
Um, but we also can see different things from other forms of food production. I know places where there's um, dairy operations that are making dairy products or making other food products. If there's things that um, are either a byproduct from that production or maybe are off-spec products, um, I remember a story, I think it was one of the professors that I had in grad school told me that his grandparents had a feedlot and that they would get off-spec pistachios uh, that could then be fed to their livestock as well. And it's really remarkable how livestock can use these resources that oftentimes are seen as a throwaway product and turn them into a really high-quality protein source that is meat. And these examples just really show the importance and the values of byproducts. Now, when we think of meat production, we know that there are some products from the animal that aren't just thrown on the grill and cooked like a steak. When an animal is harvested, the head, hide, viscera, or the internal organs, hooves, and blood are removed. During fabrication or cutting of the retail products, bones and excess fat are removed. And some of the fat may be incorporated into further processed products, uh, some of the bones may be included in those retail cuts. They're not always totally boneless. Some of the innards may be used to make natural casings for sausages. And some of the other variety meats, such as the tongue, kidneys, and sweetbreads, or the thymus gland, may be consumed either here in the U.S., it's maybe not quite as popular, or could be exported to other countries where they are more commonly included in the diet. However, some of these products may not be edible, and because of that, they're often seen or kind of compartmentalized as a waste product. But that is not the case. Nothing is wasted. And in fact, much of the value of a market animal comes from these byproducts that they can provide, or they come from what we call drop credit, which are the things that we're not going to consume um, that can then be used in other types of industries. This last week, according to the uh, USDA Beef Carcass Price Equivalent Index value, the drop credit for beef was $15.07 per hundredweight. So if this was about an 800-pound carcass, that would mean it would have $120 of value just for that drop credit. And large packers, this is a great opportunity. When they're producing enough product, they're able to um, actually sell that drop credit. They're able to get uh, a value for it. Oftentimes, smaller producers, a lot of times those local packers or local butcher shops, don't produce enough of this drop credit in order for them to get that value for it. In fact, oftentimes they actually have to pay for rendering to come and pick up that product. So that's one of those things that when you just think of scale of plants, to really be able to capture value from every single part of that animal, whether it be from the ribeye, the tri-tip, to uh, the tongue and the kidneys, that scale can really come into play um, and can make a big difference in terms of the actual value of that final product. Byproducts that we get in the meat industry really can impact other industries all across the board. So 
We'll go through a few examples of what some of these byproducts might look like and really give you an idea of how you're actually using uh, parts and pieces from the livestock industry in your everyday life. So the first one that we'll talk about is blood. And so uh, blood can be used in things like blood sausages, uh, not oftentimes consumed here in the United States. We may see that in other parts of the world. However, blood from beef, pork, and lamb can be used to make adhesives, so sticking agents that are used in tape or on post-it notes. Uh, it can be used to create leather treatment agents, plywood adhesive, fabric printing and dyeing materials, and even blood meal. And blood meal can be utilized back into livestock diets, or it can be used as a nitrogen source in fertilizer. So even from blood, something that, again, um, large plants are able to really capture a lot of that product um, and really be able to get the value from it. Bones play a key part in many candies and sweets. So if you're chewing on a piece of gum, you may not be thinking about um, a beef animal or a hog that could have played a part in getting that candy to you. So gelatin is made from collagen, which is found in animal bones, skin, and tendons. And gelatin is the base ingredient in a lot of candies, such as gum um, and sweets like marshmallows, gummy bears, and jello. So it's really what gives it that kind of sticky, um, gummy consistency. And gelatin can even be used in those gel capsules that cover many different medicines. So maybe it's covering a vitamin that you're taking or something like Aleve. I'm not sure if Aleve brand uses actual animal gelatin, but it's just an example of those kind of gel type capsules that can come from animal products. In addition to gelatin, Bones can also be used to make paints and nail polishes, buttons, adhesives, porcelain or other glass products, enamel, and again, bone meal. And bone meal, again, can be fed um, into some livestock diets as well as used for fertilizers. In addition to uh, bone meal and blood meal, um, we're not going to go too much into poultry, but we also can get feather meal and even going further than that, in the fish industry, we can get fish meal. And one of the really interesting things with fish meal, I remember learning this in my nutrition class when I was uh, studying animal science at South Dakota State, is that hogs, due to their digestive system and the way that they process their feed, um, they're actually able to kind of pick up some of those different flavors in their diet into their final product and into their fat. And so fish meal, if fed in too high of a concentration in uh, diets of hogs, can actually start leading to pork uh, that has a little bit of a fishy smell and flavor to it. So that's just kind of a side note, uh, but interesting that even in those industries as well, we can get uh, some of those products and bring them back into the livestock industry and into food production. So moving into the intestines from various species, they can be used to make natural casings. And natural casings 
um, are used in sausages and other processed products. So um, if you go and you buy brats, typically they're going to have a very, very thin casing on the outside of them. Um, it's really what gives that brat kind of a snap when you bite into it. And that oftentimes comes from a natural casing. And not all brats or hot dogs or frankfurters use natural casings. Sometimes they use um, like cellulose casings that are removed um, during that processing before they even get into the package. But these natural casings are really um, a great way to utilize some of those innards or those intestines. And those will be cleaned before being used. They're clean, they're sanitized. Um, and they can range in size and shape based on the species that they come from. And this lets them be used in a variety of ways. So, for example, lamb casings are much smaller in diameter and are best used for making something like a breakfast sausage. Whereas pork casings are a little bit larger and are often used to make brats. And intestines can also be used for other things outside of just natural casings, uh, but they can also be used for making surgical sutures, instrument strings, and tennis racket strings. And the fibers that they use in these instruments or in these tennis rackets um, are actually known as cat gut and are made from the walls of the intestine, which often comes from lamb or goat. It can also come from hogs or from cattle, um, but typically those that are being used in this way come from lambs or goats. From the hide and the hair of cattle and hogs, we can get paintbrush bristles, insulation, leather products, and sporting goods. One cowhide can produce 12 basketballs, 12 baseball gloves, 20 footballs, or 144 baseballs. And if we look specifically at hog skin, we can also get a common uh, product known as pork rinds. And uh, these have been kind of a fun thing for me to use this summer when I've done a few different talks with some 4-H kids and we do some workshops and we talk about meat. But then we also talk about uh, some of these byproducts and other things that we can get from the livestock industry other than just the meat products. And giving students a chance to actually sample these and try them, um, I think it makes them appreciate the steak and the hamburger a lot better. Uh, but just really kind of eye-opening to see that even from the hog skin, we're able to get an additional product. Jumping over to sheep, from lambs, wool, and skin, we can really get a variety of textiles. And I should mention that we can get these textiles from uh, the lamb without actually harvesting them. So specifically, if we're talking about wool, you do not need to harvest the animal to get their wool. Um, that's a very common misconception when talking about lamb processing is anytime people see wool products, they think that they're um, hurting the sheep to get that when actually shearing your sheep can be very good for them. But I will say with wool, there's a ton of different products that you can uh, make from that. So socks, blankets, coats. Uh, one of the cool things with wool is that it is flame retardant. So 
It actually can be used to help make fire blankets as a safety precaution. Again, we can get insulation as well as lanolin products. And so lanolin is really what uh, gives your hands kind of that oily feel after you have handled sheep. Uh, Lanolin can be utilized in lotions, in cosmetics, shampoos and conditioners, um, and it is an oily substance, and it actually can also be utilized in motor oils or lubricants, uh, things that need kind of that uh, greasy feel to them. All of those things can come from lanolin. And then we can jump over to fat. And so fat, also known as tallow, can be used to make biodiesels, cosmetics, soaps, deodorant, crayons, chewing gum, margarine, and even rubber products and tires. And so all of these things that you would never think about that you may utilize on a daily basis can come from these uh, livestock species. And this is a pretty comprehensive list, but it's not even uh, starting to scratch the surface on everything that we can get from these uh, livestock animals. Medical equipment and supplies, such as insulin, heart valves, estrogen, oxytocin, burn dressings, and more can come from livestock. Pet foods and fertilizers can come from livestock production, and so much more. One thing that I find really interesting about the livestock industry is that the ideal animal, and I say that in quotation marks, the ideal animal can change over time based on consumer demand. And so today the ideal market beef is heavily muscled but also well finished. And that's because consumers recognize that fat is flavor and they want a high-quality product. If they're going to spend the money on beef, if they're going to include it as part of their diet, they want it to taste good, and they're willing to take on the extra calories that come from a fattier product. But that's not always been the case. Back in the 1940s, the ideal market beef was really small-framed and really, really fat. And the reason for this was not for eating quality. Granted, it it could have definitely helped it, depending on some of the genetics and other things that went into it. But the reason that they did this was because the fat, or the tallow, at the time was often worth more than the meat or that lean tissue itself. Tallow was used for fuel sources, for cooking and making soaps and other products, And since the demand for that byproduct was so high, it made an impact on the way that that live animal actually looked. And so byproducts of the meat industry are incredibly valuable in your everyday life. And they really can end up determining the final value of that animal, um, especially if we start getting into things such as scale of production and really Uh, going down and finding out where we're getting value within those carcasses. And so um, everything from the ingredients that you use in cooking uh, to athletics and some of the hobbies that you're doing, whether that be playing sports or playing uh, the violin to uh, garden fertilizers to your skincare routine, Livestock truly provides so much more than meat, and I think that's pretty cool. 
So as you're going through your day today, stop and look around. And besides just the bacon cheeseburger that you're eating for supper, what are other ways that the livestock industry played a part in your day? What products did you use that wouldn't have been available if harvest of a livestock animal didn't happen? So thank you for joining me this week in the meeting room, and I look forward to visiting with you again soon. Thank you.